There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bub in the Bloom, episode 61. Going to talk about some home run to barrel leaders and not so good leaders in that uh, Bloom boards later in the episode. Talk some recent news, play our games, and much, much more. You can find myself on Twitter at BDentrick, B-D-E-N-T-R-E-K. You can find the podcast at Bubba Bloom Pod, and you can find my co-host, as always, on Twitter at Ryan B-H-Q. Ryan Bloomfield, how are we doing, my friend? Milestone achieved this week, Bubba. We both uh, we both booked our flights to first pitch. Yes, so yes. getting closer to being able to taste it. Southwest, yeah. you, you gave me the heads up with, with the Southwest. Dude, that sale was ridiculous. Like, yeah, like usually they flight, have sales, but not like not like that. Forty forty off was. I think my flight yours, yours was under two hundred, right? Round round trip, trip under two hundred. Last year it was like four fifty. So yeah, I think I did it with points because we had. Um, we were part of that Christmas Southwest fiasco. So we got a whole bunch of free flights and, or, or whatnot, but from, from that fallout, but it came, it was, it was going to be like 160 bucks from, from Portland to Phoenix direct with, with golf clubs. So that, that's the beauty of it. Golf clubs fly free. That's a great setup right. there. Um, and that kind of so- goes Southwest, not a sponsor by the no, way. No, no. High noon Southwest. Hey, I'm, I'm for sale. So just let me know. We can add stuff to the, to the decals. But um, yeah, that's just another point we're trying to make. We're playing golf, folks, and the more the merrier uh, at Dobson Ranch in Mesa, California, because the conference is in Mesa. And it was like a what ten minute Uber ride, give or take, something like that. It wasn't it wasn't too bad. So uh, it, it's a fun golf course. So if you guys are interested, please let either one of us know as soon as possible because we'd like to kind of get this set up to be even more more entertaining and fun if we get a good group of people. Um, and we need to do that with some time for Dobson Ranch to make it happen. So let us know if you can figure that one out. Yeah, for sure. If any listeners are, are planning to go to first pitch, definitely let us know. If you don't play golf, that's cool too. We'll we'll we'll, we'll buy you some beers down there, um, and and we'll have a good time. Hopefully, we'll have the live. You know, we'll see what the powers at B. Oh no, I already today. put it into motion. I already put it into motion. All right. <laughs> well, because so I tweeted it. it out, the pressure's on now. <laughs> have that live show i don't think we screwed it up too bad last year no. uh, so it, it'd be awesome to to meet you all More especially people. first timers uh down there and if you play golf even better because we're gonna play yeah. that thursday november 2nd it's november 2nd through the 5th 
the conference itself usually doesn't start like typically like happy hour that Thursday night. There's a welcome reception. So it, it was perfect timing. We got back from golf, literally walked next door to the ballpark in Mesa, walked upstairs to the happy hour, which is food and booze. And we had a great time. It's perfect timing. Yeah. Yep. So similar type deal this year. We'll probably formalize the golf stuff a little bit more and get some more, more folks involved, but cannot wait. Cannot wait. Yeah. And something that Ryan said, cause I know some people commented on our tweets about flights that uh, they're coming for the first time. Awesome. Don't be afraid to reach out. We want to hang out with everybody. So it's a good time. And like Ryan said, for the live show, it was probably one of the coolest things that we've ever done. I think we could both say it was really, really awesome to do. And the place was well, half full, two thirds full. It was, it was a decent sized little room filled up. And uh, if you guys want to pack it out, the more the merrier. It's, it's a good time in there. Next, Hopefully we can tell the powers to be not to book this awesome uh, panel next door to us at the same time. That would be kind of cool. Had some competition, but that that that's okay. They're typically first pitch is so much stuff packed into there. There's always running against something. But. Yeah, but it'll be a good time. So, and I come in on Wednesday. So, if you guys get there a day early, hit me up. It's kind of a free for all to do whatever we want to do. I just hung out at the bar and watched the World Series last year with uh, Brent Hershey from HQ. Uh, the more the merrier for whatever you guys want to do. So, let us know. It's a great time. Don't miss out. Baseball HQ FPAS. All right, let's talk about some news and notes. Mr. Bloomfield, uh, we've got shocker injuries, but we'll start with a non-injury. Cody Bellinger's back, back with the Cubs. He got activated on Thursday, and he's playing first base, which means Matt Mervis was optioned back to AAA. There goes a big chunk of fab. Bye-bye. Yeah, that's that's tough, the Matt Mervis situation. It, it kind of makes sense, though, given the uh, ratios that – Mervis was was posting so we'll see him back like I, I actually wrote an article for HQ this week it's one of my favorite ones to write with goes through like the 10 steps of prospect stardom and this is a this is kind of an old school thing uh, dates back it was named after like A-Rod who went up and down and struggled a couple times before he hit it and I actually put Mervis on like step three of, of 10 which was you get all this hype, you get called up your rookie year and you struggle. And then step four is you get demoted. So Mervis went to step four, but he'll, he'll be back. I'm not too worried long-term. Um, the Bellinger thing makes sense. I, I, it sounds like it's temporary I, I, or at least like he will go back to center field at some point, but I guess playing first is a little bit easier on his knee. So that makes sense. Mike Talkman is i think the beneficiary i mean he's leading off every single day with like a 400 obp and that's pretty great doesn't i think has a couple steals no homers so you're not going to get counting stats those types of counting stats from talkman but if you're in a pinch you need someone who gets on base or points leagues like he barely strikes out he walks gets on base i think talkman at least has a little bit more leash and again at lead off in front of a pretty decent lineup i think that works yeah, Talkman's an OBP machine. He's Alex Chamberlain's favorite baseball player of all time. Yeah. So make sure if there's, Alex if there's one fantasy analyst linked to a actual yep. baseball player, it will always be Mike Talkman and Alex Chamberlain. Yep. So make sure you every time Talkman does anything good or you pick him up on Fab at Alex Chamberlain at Dolph Haldhagen, you won't regret it. He won't either. Uh, tell him Bubba sent you. Um, but it's it is a good spot for him. And I agree. I think it's temporary for Belly because you know, it was like a week ago I was talking on the first pitch show reporting news and he was like getting ready to do baseball activities. There's really no timetable. And all of a sudden it ramped up super quick. He's in Iowa playing first base. I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. Like this was not even close to a possibility a week ago. And now he's back. So I think it's like you said, we see it with, you know, Bryce Harper comes back early in DHs. Uh, Trevor Story is going to probably come back early DH, but he, as he works on getting his arms stretched out. 
So it's just little things like that. These teams need these bats back in the lineup as quickly as they can, and that's how they got Belly back in there. And because you can't really take the DH spot away from some of the other guys on that squad, so Bellinger plays first base, and it makes sense. And I wonder too, like when inevitably when the Talkman hot streak or whatever runs out and Belly goes back to center, what like what will happen at first? Will it be like Trey Mancini? Will will they call Mervis back up? Um, it's a little bit down the road, but just trying to think ahead a little bit. I could see a Mervis recall. That would make the most sense to me. But, yeah, Mancini, he does work too. Uh, Vinny P, Vinny Pascantino, this sucks because a oh. uh, shoulder injury kind of, I don't know, it seemed like it came out of the nowhere, nowhere and the team wasn't even that concerned about it at first. They compared it to the same injury he had last year where he missed like two and a half weeks and he came back and was productive. And then like two days later, he's having season-ending surgery to repair his labrum. So not good in many fronts because obviously Vinny P's out for the season. But also torn labrums. I know technology is different and everybody heals differently, but shoulder injuries take usually a little longer to get that power production back. Everyone's different. We'll see. But that's something to monitor going forward. That's a 2024 situation. For 2023, this really locks in Nick Prado, who I've been a big fan of. I've had him rostered many times on my teams already. He's playing a lot of outfield. He's normally a first baseman. This is who he is. And now he gets to slide right in there. He's leading off for the Royals and being quite productive, even though he still strikes out a decent amount. So uh, Nick Prado is going to be locked and loaded to go, and it just opens up more spots for the slew of kind of mediocre outfielders that the Royals have. Yeah, the leadoff aspect for Nick Prado is is pretty sweet. A, a bit ahead of his skis and batting average. I don't think Prado is a 280 hitter, which is what he what he's hitting right now given the K rate that you mentioned, Bubba, but um, you rack up those plate appearances, some pop 24 um, year old, like that, that Prado will be, uh, will be plenty effective. And I think in 12 teamers, he's like 80% rostered in 12 teamers. I think that should go up um, with this unfortunate Vinny P news. You touched on the mediocre outfielders. The one that I would like at least look at is Edward Olivares. I've probably yeah. have said this like five years in a row and probably will say this five more years. I just love the guy. Um, hasn't played enough, but has started, I think, like six of the last seven. Did not start uh, the Royals last game, but I think Edward Olivares finally is going to get enough run here to uh, to be at least useful in streaming situations in deeper leagues. Yep, I'm with you on that one. Uh, Nick Lodolo just wanted to report this over here. He had a positive MRI on his foot injury a couple days ago, but they're saying it was positive, which is kind of weird because my case was positive about it because he's still in a walking boot, and they're still saying the timeline has not changed. The earliest, earliest he'll return is August. And so the reason I brought this up, because I know we've talked about it before, but it's been a few weeks, knowing that it's still not till August that he could return, how are you handling him on your rosters if you don't have IL spots? Yeah, uh, he's a drop. I mean, he's got to be a drop. Liddell, That's why I want to bring like, it up, though. That's why I want to bring it up because I know some people yeah. are still hanging on for dear life. Yeah. If it was one of those, like, maybe all-star break kind of a thing, maybe I'd hold on. But um, I think I think you've got to drop because of, inevitably you have other injuries on your team already. So it sucks. Um, I mean, maybe your boy, your, your pick from last week or two weeks ago, Ben Lively. Uh, Blake? Blake, you're he's, yeah. pitch, he's pitching more like Blake Lively lately. Yeah, he's he maybe is famous. Um, he'll stay in the rotation. Luke Weaver, for better or worse, will stay in the rotation. Um, Andrew Rabbit, baby. You you wish the Reds like for all the fireworks that they have on offense and so much talent that has come and to come in Cincinnati. 
if uh, if Ladola was in that rotation, that, that this could actually be like a pretty legit NL Central contender. What if they trade like CES for like two great pitchers? God, like send them to Miami for like um, Trevor Rogers and a guy that's actually starting right now. What if they did that? I don't think they would. I don't think they would. But I'm saying, like, just think about it. They already have the it offense makes- figured out. You get, now you get two pitchers. I'd rather have CES. I get it, but it's an option. Same. I could see them moving. Like, I don't know what they'd get for these guys. Maybe like Spencer like, Steer for like Lucas Giolito or yes. something. Yeah. I don't think they, well, I don't know if they get like Giolito, but like a Steer, Fraley, Friedel just for like some upgrade over Luke Weaver. Over well, and they're, they're working, they're working like CES, uh, Christian Incarnacion Strand. For those that don't know, they're working him out in right field. He started there on mm-hmm. Thursday, so though that does open up the Friedel Fraley situation potentially. Um, and moves guy, and then Sinzel's always or maybe just package Sinzel and go, Hey, here's an extra, maybe he'll play for you. <laughs> you never Probably know. not, though. Yeah, but you never know. Just see what happens. Like, he's the at he's the uh Clint Frazier of the Reds. Here you go. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Uh, this one's a bummer as well. Nothing you're going to do here because I don't think you're dropping him. But Jordan Alvarez out four to six weeks. The reason I bring it up is like I say, you don't think you're dropping him. This is the end of July. You'll get him back. So uh, still a long ways away. But when you look at the reports, it's doomy and gloomy. Like it was like it was we're going to like no baseball activities for two weeks. Then we'll reevaluate him for a week. And then we'll assess how we're going to have him come back to play baseball. That's not good. <laughs> Grand Slam, Chris Taylor, live on live during the show, which doesn't make for great podcast. Was it off of C's by chance? Was it off of C's? Uh, no, C's got pulled, and so some some of the runs were from C's, but um, wow, crazy. Um, Jordan, yes, an obvious hold. I mean, un- unlike Lodolo, you're holding on to to Jordan as long as you can. It does sound like, yeah, it does sound bad, but there's nothing we can really do about it. I mean, we talked about it last week a little bit. Corey Jolks is getting like the lion's share of DH slash outfield at bats, but I'm not too excited for him. Um, yeah, Diaz, Diaz is playing like every day, baby. Yeah. And not yeah. even at catcher. Like when you have a catcher eligible guy who's splitting time between first base and DH, that glorious. is, that is glorious. And while we're on the Astros, Bubba, how about Jose Abreu? What the uh, hell? I was hoping this would lead to this because this is now, Talked about my love-hate relationship with Twitter earlier before we got on the mic here. But um, Jose Abreu is a, pop, a topic of conversation across the board. And his month of June, um, I mentioned it like a day or two ago on the first pitch. He had, like in his first 12 games in June, he's hitting over 400, like 425 or 452 with 13 homers or 13 RBIs in 12 games, three homers, three doubles. He is I, – I, 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 it's hard for me to say he's back – but he's getting closer. Yeah. And I like, I'll be the first one to admit. I mean, even I think it was oh, last week, we both gave ago. him ones for not yeah. rebounding. And because Ibreu was one of the lowest, furthest fallers from preseason drafts to the midseason second chance drafts that the NFPC had. Um, yeah. Not ready to like proclaim him back, but it is an awesome sign to see that Ibreu can, at least still hit the ball hard. And like, I mean, a couple of those homers were no doubters. Like it was kind of funny. The first, the first home run that Abreu hit in Oakland, I think it was like barely got over the fence. Mm -hmm. Um, He's had a couple shots. So you just kind of hope 
things continue that way. But it's uh, it's it's a funny game, man. Cannot predict how some of this. We all write them off for dead, and it goes on at least for now a mini hot streak. We'll, we'll see. Yeah. The uh, the Astros need it. So yeah, he's he's a guy because I said I'd drop them everywhere I could like a month ago. I don't regret it. That was to me the right move at the time. I'm curious to see how those fab bids look here pretty soon. Another weird one that came out on Wednesday, Joe Musgrove, who he's had four really good starts in a row, and I thought maybe it's because he's ramping back up with the missed time in spring, and now he's back to being Joe Musgrove. Well, he has he's dealing with elbow bursitis that he may have may have happened while he was using a hyperbolic chamber to, re, to rehab his toe in spring training. He said it's something he's just going to deal with all year and pitch through it. So how does that make you feel? There's a, there's a lot to unpack there. I, I I don't really know what elbow bursitis is, and I don't know what a what do you say hyperbolic chamber? Those are those things that like they um basically take the air out of something. Like you see guys like wear the ones on their legs that they walk all day. Um, they have full body ones you can sit in. It's like from the neck down type thing. Huh. It's it, it's to help speed up uh, healing basically. Oh, didn't didn't work here. I guess I don't think they make them in my size, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> I. Dude, it's yeah, it's bizarre. Um, especially because I mean, like you were saying, Bubba, like usually a pitcher injury, especially with the arm, like there's some lower velocity, there's loss of command, there's loss of control. Musgrove was just hitting his stride. Um last five starts, 24% strikeout rate, five percent walk rate, had a two eighty six ERA, three thirty two expected ERA at HQ. So um, I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't know enough about elbow bursitis to know if he can pitch through it. Like that would be, that would be fantastic. I, I wouldn't be too worried if, if Musgrove and the staff think that it's not a serious issue and he can go, let's do it. Um, but it, it definitely doesn't sound warm and fuzzy. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's concerning to me cause I have some Musgrove shares. I'm a big fan of Joe Musgrove. And now I'm like, what are we doing right now? This is not great. Another not great one. It happened within like five minutes apart. J.D. Davis sprains his ankle at the same time. Mitch Hanniger breaks his fo- gets a fracture in his forearm. Uh, they already announced he's supposed to have surgery on Thursday, actually, as we re- like the day we record. And then they'll get a timetable for his return. What I kind of think of it as is it's Carson Kelly. He had a fractured arm. He missed. He was on the 60 DIL, missed a couple months. He just returned this week to the Diamondbacks um, with Hanniger. It's middle of June. I'm thinking sometime middle to late August, potentially, with Hanniger, unless like it's a really not too bad and heals quicker. But I expect a 60-day IL situation pretty soon. The biggest question I have is because you can drop Hanniger. That's fine. And he was heating up, too. That's the bummer. Yeah, He was I know. heating up. I know. And people say he's like injury-prone. This is the flukiest of fluky things. Like, just stop. Like, a lot of his injuries are actually kind of fluky. That's a whole other conversation. Luis Matos got the call. And as a Giants guy, before you give your smart analysis, I want to give my two cents from the Giants standpoint here. I had a lot of questions in the Discord, like, should I add him? Should I add him? I said, he's good. He, he played really well. Crushed it in AAA. We know this. He, he's this power speed guy. We know all these things. The one bit of cold water I will throw on this are the San Francisco Giants love the platoon. Yeah. He started and hit second against Jordan Montgomery. When Montgomery came out of the game – Mike Yastrzemski pinch hit for Matos. It was either Yaz or Conforto, one of the two. They went back to back. So he was quickly taken out of the game. I don't know if that'll be a long-term thing, but it's definitely something to watch this weekend because they face three right-handed pitchers in L.A. 
So see how Montas's playing time goes. But hey, at least the kid got to enjoy Disneyland today. So that was cool. What do you got here? You you covered it, man. I mean, what we don't want to see is probably what the Giants are going to do, and that's just platoon everybody. Because <laughs> like you're, you're starting to see Austin Slater play a little bit. Because they're healthy. Um, they're finally healthy. Yep, he's healthy. He's playing against lefties. You've got the lefty hitter platoon brigade of like Peterson. Crawford's probably – he's playing himself into a platoon at this point. Maybe even Conforto. Yeah. I don't know. Like you can't, it's easy to look at the the stat line for Luis Matos and get excited. Like the minuscule strikeout rate at AAA, he hit almost 400 with the power speed, like you were talking about. But it doesn't really matter if you're not, if you're, especially in Matos's case, on the short side of a platoon. So you're right. Like this weekend will be pretty telling and lead up to Fab, uh, whether or not Matos is a regular or at least a semi regular. Like how many, how many starts will he get? against three righties this weekend um definitely worth watching because I, I mean if montos does play every single day then he's yeah he's worth a, some money for sure yeah yep so. yeah i'm with you i just want an example i'll give you from the giants to a t because they were hurt a lot like last month that's why a lot of these guys played lefty right didn't matter once guys got healthy like you said crawford came back all these guys came back casey schmidt's platooning now i think if you asked like three weeks ago no one would have thought casey schmidt would platoon the rest of the season I said that on the first show when we talked about Casey Schmidt getting called up. Be careful. And I got him in a few leagues like three weeks later for like 10 bucks. It was fun. I dropped him this week because he's platooning. Um, I hope Montos plays. As a Giants fan, I'd love to see him out there. I think he gives, gives them the best chance to win. But this is Gabe Kapler, and this is the Giants, and this is what they do, and they still win this way. So watch this week, and that's all I wanted to bring up on this one because I had so many people the other day going, I got to pick him up. I gotta, you can pick him up. I'm just warning you. This is what the Giants do. So be yep. careful. Yep. Yuan Mangata, he goes to the IL, locks in some more Jake Berger sessions. Double double dong we on Wednesday. He went deep on Thursday. It seems like every time Jake Berger's about to lose his job, someone gets hurt. Eloy gets hurt. And then right when Eloy comes back, Yuan Mangata goes to the IL. It's like the baseball gods are like, hey, Berger needs to stay in the lineup. Make this Don't happen. screw this up. Don't exactly. screw this up, White Sox. We got this for you. So we got Berger time for sure. Like pick him up everywhere you can. Plus, we got the Bubba tweet, uh, all caps, Burger King. With the, with now, the I, was, I was wondering if I was expecting to get fat jokes thrown my direction, but people actually understood it. So I was pretty, I was good. I had Burger King dong in all caps, but I, <laughs> I, I but I didn't want to like have Elon Musk like suspend me from Twitter. <laughs> There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash sports. That's Indeed.com slash sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast is brought to you by AT&T Fiber with Allfy. 
Something tells me that the guy watching sports for 13 hours straight on Sunday, who then stays up watching the recaps of those 13 hours, then calls his friends to talk about it, is definitely going to notice that half a second delay. Get AT&T Fiber with AllFi and watch sports any time of day from anywhere in your house. Live like a gagillionaire. Limited availability in select areas. Go to att.com slash hypergig to check eligibility. Coverage may require extenders at additional charge. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that might be a bridge too far. <laughs> um, I mean, the White Sox can't keep playing. Yohan, I mean, obviously they can't now with the back thing, but like a 279 OBP, 370 slug, three homers on the season, like in 147 plate appearances. It's just fascinating to me why the White Sox would continue to play Moncada over Berger. Um, and so hopefully, yes, the fantasy guides, you don't, you don't want to see anybody get hurt, but like, I think this is the move for the White Sox. So um, I think Moncada, I think we got a listener question semi-related to you on Moncada. Like, I don't even think in 15 team leagues, he, I mean, he doesn't do anything. He, he, even if he's healthy, he doesn't do anything. And this is a back injury. And we talk about this all the time, how back injuries sideline like, like three to four weeks earlier. Exactly. So it's not even for me, it's not even, yeah, it's an easy, easy drop. He gone. I want to ask you, I didn't put it on the outline, but since we're talking White Sox, the guy's not doing anything. Tim Anderson is hitting 253 oh, with zero home runs. He only has nine doubles on the season. He has a zero, four, five ISO. He has seven stolen bases, 21 runs, 10 RBIs, a 64 WRC plus. I could keep going down the bad production. Um, less than 4% barrel rate from Tim Anderson. The reason I bring it up is there's some very smart people like Scott Jimstead, uh, Draft Cheat, and others talking about this on Twitter. These are the good conversations I like to see as guys going back and forth on what to do. In a 12-team league, I have him in a 12-team, t- and I'm very close to dropping him because literally Ezekiel Tovar is outperforming him. Like There's dudes outperforming him on your waiver wire. I know Tim Anderson's got the name, but I think this is a conversation like we've had people ask us, when do you just stop caring about the name? and move on from a player. And I think Tim Anderson fits this mold pretty darn well right about now. And I'll, I'll start with the disclaimer that I'm higher and always, probably always yeah, have you are, been. That's I'm, higher. I'm, I'm the yeah. Tim Anderson guy. It, I, I mean, it, it, yes, it's the name, but it's the name because of the track record. Like Tim Anderson for, despite the injuries has been for years, um, a very productive fantasy player and when i look at the underlying skills and maybe i just go down with this ship the k rate is not very far it's still in fantastic shape tim anderson has six barrels like should have at least a couple home runs the hard contact isn't it's never been great but it it's been good enough to what where we'd expect like a 10 home run season out of tim anderson and he's seven for eight from the stolen base department. The only thing with that is Tim Anderson. Let me check in May. Uh, yeah, only has two steals since May. So that's like the part where the post IL Tim Anderson has not been running as much. And that's where I get a little bit nervous because to make this work, you have to have Tim Anderson hit near 300, which again, I think he'll get closer. He's not a 250 hitter that he's showing right now. And he's got to run a lot. Um, right now, neither of those are happening. So I get it. Um, I just think we're going to see a surge from Tim Anderson at some point in the second half, uh, just because the track record and the skills aren't very far off of uh, 
of what we've seen from when Tim Anderson was was a pretty good player. All right. I just want to get your two cents on that one because I have not dropped them yet. But every week I look at it and like, hmm. Oh, I, I get it. I mean, it's I mean, the actual rotisserie stat line is terrible. 253, no home runs, 10 RBI. Yeah, it's 10 bad. RBI. It's brutal. It's very, very bad. Like Yuan Moncada actually has maybe a better stat line. Whoa, 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 whoa. That, that, <laughs> another no bridge too far. Sure. Another bridge sure. too far, Baba. All right. The last bit of news we'll drop here is Zach Neto, who's actually been pretty darn productive out of one of the early ads this year, is starting to really hit over the last like week, too. He's uh, on the IL with a, a side slash oblique. They haven't given a full analysis on that one yet, but it seems like an oblique situation. Um, just want to throw that out there. It's really it's Luis Rangifo, maybe. Andrew Velasquez is getting time. Nothing to really run home to, but they might be replacements for Tim Anderson. So I'm just throwing them out there. Yeah, terrible timing. Yeah. That, and Nito had three home runs, or Neto had three home runs. Yeah, he was, he was heating up. This week. Um, Andrew Velasquez, like I wouldn't totally he dismiss him. last year. Nine home runs, 17 steals, and 350 plate appearances last year for Andrew Velasquez. He had a green light with the Angels last year. And if you need steals, like, yes, Andrew Velasquez is going to cost you in batting average, so just beware of that. But it's actually a semi-decent like power-speed combo that you probably won't see on many. And I'm talking deep leagues, 15-teamers, and obviously AL only. Um that's actually a semi-attractive skill set to me if you can stomach the um, if you can stomach the batting average uh, fall from Velasquez. Yeah, I'm with you. I know in 15s I had him rostered at times last year, so we'll see how that plays out. All right, let's get to our weekend matchup game of the week, and don't look now, folks. Bloomfield's coming back. So how'd things go last week, Ryan? Bloomfield's coming. Uh, the sweep. Sweep just like your Giants. Who who the Giants sweep this week? The Cardinals. Cardinals, Cardinals, baby. Uh, Bloom sweat Bubba. So okay. we had we had my late edition Ryan Noda take take out Joey Weimer five to three on the pitching side. Griffin Canning, who continues to pitch pretty well of late, took down your uh, Daniel Lynch nine to seven. They're both close, but uh, match play wins a win. Wins a win. So, I'll take it at least because for once our pitching didn't both suck. So um, I'll. I'll, I'll take this as a win situation overall. But, yes, you're up 10-7 to 7 now, and we're about to getting closer to the halfway point of the season. Gives you plenty of time to come back. So where are you headed this week? What what matchups are you looking forward to this week? I was looking at uh, – so my my hitter that I'm going to grab is Tristan Casas. So we're, we're, again, doing 50% rostered or less in 12-team uh, NFBC leagues, and Tristan Casas barely – Fits the bill, forty nine percent rostered. So I am, uh, I, I'm within the rules here. Casas has been a lot better, well, slightly better lately, especially like three twenty OBP, couple homers in the last month. Uh, you know, nothing special, but I think it comes around at some point. Red Sox, I believe, get uh, three righties this week. They do against the Yankees with uh, a pretty decent matchup rating from um hq so tristan casas is my my hitter choice this week yeah the um my hitter choice this week is yastrzemski talked about earlier yaz he's homered in back-to-back games he's uh getting healthy again for now that's the yastrzemski thing he can be a buzzkill at the plate as well from time to time but he gets three righties this weekend um i saw bobby miller was supposed to pitch on friday but if you look at the the uh, Rotowire, it's Andres slash bullpen game. Then Miller Saturday, Gonsolin 
on Sunday. So I'll have to see how that pans out before I publish my HQ matchups article. Hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm going with Yastrzemski going against three right-handed pitchers means you should play every day, at least start every day, maybe run into one, see how things go there. In terms of like, in terms of like hitting streamer matchups, the best, best team this week rating wise is the Braves. They get three against Colorado righties, which it's going to be fantastic, but from a fantasy aspect, like I don't think there's many Braves. Um, Mets against St. Louis, pretty fortunate. And then uh, the Twins get three against Detroit this weekend. So that's also pretty, pretty juicy. I don't know who's pitching for Detroit. It's, yeah, it's Alexander Wentz and man, Mason Englert. Wow. Don't I know it was a fishing tournament. Fun. Don't know. Don't know who that is. So, um, Get bombs away against uh buxton's Detroit. back baby buxton's back have some fun there uh who you got pitching this week going back to the well uh i think i took him a couple weeks ago but tanner Houck, who, who has just been going against the yankees the judgeless yankees and that's a pretty like pretty weak lineup i know they just got stanton back and he homered the other day off scherzer but that's a that's a pretty good matchup i think for for how the biggest thing with how He's getting better, like quietly over the last month. His last five starts, five nineteen ERA for Tanner Houck. Beneath that is a like twenty percent K manus walk, which is really good, especially for a starter. And he's missing a ton of bats, sixteen percent swing strike rate for Tanner Houck. Like especially in our game where it's it's strikeouts and innings minus runs. I think the K's are going to be there um, for Tanner Houck, and I also just think. In terms of like streaming in 12 teamers, Tanner Houck is what he's 35% rostered. Um, I think that's a pretty decent ad in most matchups going forward, the way he's pitched lately. Yeah, targeting the Yankees right now is a beautiful thing. So that's not a bad pick at all. I'm going with a little bit of a riskier pick, I'll be honest, but I have my philosophy behind it. I'm going with Dick Mountain, Rich Hill. This is going to be a big one. It's going at Milwaukee, a Milwaukee team that is scuffling at the plate right now. It seems like everybody's slumping. Maybe Rich Hill is the answer they need to get things going. But again, like Ryan said, for our game, it's innings pitch plus K's minus earned runs. Earned runs could be a problem. He's given up only three in his last two starts. What Rich Hill does, and I've witnessed this watching him, like when he faced the Giants, he had six runs, still went six innings. They let him go out there. He is their innings eater every fifth day. Because they have so many young pitchers. It's like, hey, Rich, you're throwing 100 pitches. I don't care right now. You're 40-something years old. You're pitching. So I, I, I'm pretty confident in five-plus innings out of Rich Hill. He's gone um, six and two-thirds and seven in his last two starts, which I'm pretty pumped on. And the other part I like a lot, he has six or more Ks in four of his last five starts. So it's uh, a combination of he's going to get a ton of innings more often than not. Like He's had two starts below five innings pitched all year and 13 starts. The strikeouts will be there. Uh, he's got 67 Ks and 72 uh, innings. And it's just a matter of limiting the damage. Like, go three runs or less, I'll take my chances. So, going through the motions here, Rich Hill is a dude, like, I recommended him in DFS until he got pushed back till Friday. supposed to pitch on Thursday. I think he's got some viability as a cheap streaming type player this week. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know how he's theory. doing this. I, I don't know how he's doing this, but whatever. Yeah, it's wild. It's Rich Hill, baby. Um, do we get? That just reminds me. I wonder if we do, if we get the players' uniforms again this week, this year. I haven't heard anything about that. Rob Manfred's a fun hater, so we might not. But if we can get an, one last season of Dick Mountain, that would be amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was wondering, like, what made you think of that? And now, now I know. 
Yeah. Did that did that happen last year? It Players was weekend. Le- yeah, I'm pretty sure. Maybe I feel like I it know. hasn't happened for a while. Like, yeah, I totally was, forgot about it. But he did for like every year they had it. He had Dick Mountain on the back of his jersey, and I was just like, "How did this get allowed across baseball? It's amazing." <laughs> no, R.I.P. Players Weekend. As I as I Wikipedia, Players Weekend was an annual MLB event held from 2017 to 2019. It's it's been that it's long. It's been gone since COVID. Fun haters, fun hater Rob Manfred. Following the COVID season, changed that season. Uniform suppliers from oh, Majestic to Nike. Break. The event did not return for 2021. Yeah, it's been four years, man. That's garbage. Garbage. Come on, baseball. Be better. Be better in so many levels. But all right, yeah. Let's have some yeah. fun. Bloomboard time. This stuff, I, I like this one. We've done this one before. So every time I see it, it's kind of a hat tip to Toby. This is one of his favorite yep. stats out there. So why don't you let everybody know what we're looking at tonight on tonight's Bloom Board? Yeah, and I'll pull it up for the YouTube crowd. See if I can. Um, Homer to barrel. So we, again, like uh, we, we did this last year, but it's a good, I think, kind of annual um, refresher, at least a way to check in. It's basically taking the – it's – like what I think is a pretty simple comparison of results, which is your home runs versus your skills, which is a barrel, which is just the ability to hit the ball hard at the right launch angle. Um, and so your league average and, and the general gist of this, I took the 10 highest and the 10 lowest home runs per barrel. And that, that's going to be the guys that we talk through. There's a lot of nuance to this. So a couple things that I'll bring up right away is like ballpark. Each ballpark can vary greatly in, home runs per barrels um your league average is around 55 percent. so roughly if you want to get a rough gauge for how good a hitter's power has been you take their barrels divided by two maybe add another homer or whatever and that's the number of homers they on average should have um in like a in a, in a neutral uh park so you kind of don't want to be there's the there's the board. Um, you kind of don't want to be on the leader side of this. Like you kind of don't. It it's been good if you have a high home run to barrel rate. Like you have hit a lot of home runs, and that's obviously very useful. But you kind of don't want to be in terms of going forward on the high list because most of the time this is going to kind of fall back to where either your league average would go to or where your ballparks average would go to. And you do want to be on in terms of like buying low on some of these guys the low list, which uh, we'll talk about. I mean, we'll talk about both of them, but same kind of deal. Like you've got a, I'll just say Brian Reynolds is the number one guy. The lowest home run per barrel rate has 27 barrels this year, has seven home runs. Mm -hmm. So like the production has not been there for Brian Reynolds, but the raw power is as good as ever. He just has not uh, been rewarded. So you would think someone, if you take again, that kind of rule of thumb, 27 barrels should be like 14, 15 home runs. He's got seven. So Brian Reynolds has not hit a barrel or hit a home run since May 26th. I just looked that up now. That is insane. He is on quite good. the drought. So main event team. He's my man. So that's uh that, that would make sense. Well, and he had that stretch where he was just crushing everything for a while as well. Yep. So he was yep. due, due to cool down a bit, I guess. But yeah, it's been a quite the cool down for Mr. Brian Reynolds. But you know, he's still hitting 286, 37 runs, 38 RBIs, and you mentioned the striking out less than 18%. And you mentioned the barrel rate. He's getting tons of barrels. He's got a 14% barrel rate and a 53% hard hit rate. 
I think the ballpark obviously plays a factor there. PNC is a tough ballpark to hit in for one. But um, like you said, this is the side you want to be on potentially. And his teammates on here too, Brian Hayes. So there's two Pittsburgh Pirates. Hayes we'll talk about too. He's a whole other enigma when it comes to uh, power. Uh, He's more of a ground ball guy where, you know, Brian Reynolds ain't as as a uh, you know bad in that sense compared to Cabrian Hayes, a 40% ground ball rate. He's got a 9.7% home run to fly ball. Like there's a lot of things that should be changing for him. The thing I'll add with Brian Reynolds, then we'll get to the rest of the list. It's just funny looking back at like so same ballpark, same team, same everything last season, maybe different ball, but even juicier ball perhaps this season. Brian Reynolds last year had 32 barrels. This year has 27 barrels. He's almost at the number he was last year in less than half of plate appearances last year brian reynolds hit 27 home runs this year seven home runs so that goes to show brian reynolds has actually doubled his barrel rate from last season when he hit 27 home runs and only has seven home runs to show for it so like i would just kind of scanning down this list brian reynolds from a from a home run aspect is probably the the best quote unquote by low of anyone on here. The, the raw power is absolutely still there and actually improving despite the seven homers. Yeah. It's, it's very impressive what he's doing. Another guy on this list that I'm extremely buying low on, and I keep telling people, please don't give up on him. It's MJ Melendez. I was actually happy to see him on this list. Five homers. Well, I, you know, okay. Happy might not be the right word, but you know what I mean? Uh, when you're looking for a guy to bounce back five homers with 19 barrels, 26% home run to barrel rate. But you look at it, Melendez, he's got a better barrel rate, barrel percentage than last year. He's got a better hard hit rate than last year, almost 53% overall. Um, there's just, I don't know. I, I feel like there's so much more to come from Melendez. You can dig it even deeper on the, on the stuff he's doing uh, at the plate. And I, I think he's definitely a buy low candidate. Unless I'm crazy. Could be crazy. Like his, his fly ball rate's up 9% from last year. So what are you seeing with MJ Melendez? Maybe I am the crazy one. No, I mean, same. Uh, it's a similar story to what we just talked about with Brian Reynolds. Uh, hasn't had like the power improvement that Reynolds has, but from a 7% barrel rate last season for Melendez, 7% this year. Last year for Melendez, 44% hard, hard hit rate. This year, 52%. So he's hitting the ball harder, not getting rewarded for it. And so like... It's I, I feel like a broken record because I know we talk about Melendez. He's come up a few times, but like, and, it, and I know it's very frustrating to try and hold, but I do think a power surge is coming. Like I'm quite confident MJ Melendez is going to start hitting home runs, maybe not in bunches, but the, the power is there. The strikeout rate is up a little bit, like 29% isn't, isn't that great. So I don't know like if the batting average is going to move up much from 220, but the power is there and two catcher leagues. I think you hold Melendez and just kind of wait for it. And I think the playing time is mostly, oh, he's not mostly been anywhere. there. He's not leading off anymore. We just talked about Prado, but um, Melendez is well shit, hitting third. So yeah, he's fine. Playing time is not, not an issue. No, he's not going anywhere. Uh, another guy I want to talk about on this list is Matt Chapman. He uh, nine home runs, 33 barrels, 27% home run for barrel. He started out this year just gangbusters. It slowed down a bit, but he's still at 271 with an 18.3% barrel rate, which is the best of his career, a near 59% hard hit rate, the best of his career. Um, but it's weird. Like you see that the home, the fly balls were about the same, but his home run to fly ball is 10.6%. He's usually 15% or higher, give or take. 
So it just, you, every, a lot of things are even better than they've been in the past. Like his strikeout rates is about the same as last year. His Babbitt's through the roof. Um, the fact that the profile of ground balls and fly balls hasn't changed a bunch tells me that there's a lot of home runs potentially coming from that bat. So what's your thoughts on Matt Chapman? Um, an absolute, an absolute smash for me in terms of, uh, in terms of buying, especially the power, Matt Chapman has the third most barrels in baseball behind Ronald Acuna he's and good. Aaron Judge. He's good so, too. like, yeah, two guys that are pretty good. He's ahead of Shohei Otani. He's ahead of Matt Olson. He's ahead of Jorge Soler, Big Meat Pete, all those guys. And to only have, um, to only have nine home runs for that is kind of criminal. So, uh, Matt Chapman, I don't know if the batting average quite stays at like 270 that the rub with chapman going in was like low batting average but 30 home run power um the k rate hasn't really budged like you were saying so i lower batting average but more homers to come for for mr chapman his teammate vladito hits this list as well nine homers and 29 barrels and 31 percent home run a barrel we've talked about him before on some other lists it feels like because you know, yeah. the numbers wise, he's, he's he's actually playing pretty similar to last year, minus the power surge, but the average is better and the strikeouts are similar and and so on and so forth. So what are your thoughts on uh, Vlad, who he um, you feel like there could be a, a like a hot month coming his way in a real quick time? Probably. It's been a it's been a bad year, man. Two eighty nine home runs and three steals for someone who was going was was he a free, he was more second round, wasn't he by the end? By the end, yeah, but he was early, he was late first early on for sure. Yeah, um, I don't know, but yeah, probably deserves like 15, 16 home runs. So uh, the 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 hard contact's been there. The thing with Vlad is always the ground ball rate. So I always want to check at that fifty two percent ground balls last season, forty six percent now. Um, so that's not bad. And it's, it's, the thing with barrel rate too is it does kind of incorporate your ground ball since no ground ball can really be a barrel. Um, that does kind of cover it. So I think Vlad, and I don't think it's a Toronto thing. I don't know if there's any other Blue Jays on here outside of Vlad and Chapman. Um, they did just move the fences in. So like <laughs> you would think it would go Good up, thing. but whatever. Um, I think Vlad, I, I, I worry about like, I don't know, from a taking a like longer view on Vlad to take someone who doesn't really run. I know he had eight steals last year, only three this year, but like, you, you need him to do more than even 30 home runs and like a 280 batting average. I just, at the, at the price that Vlad was going at, um, I was out. And I think even with the power improvement that's likely to come, it's still not a second round guy to me. Oh, no, I won't be back in on him. And and don't get me wrong, he'll have one year where we're all just like, wow, he's going to bust out again. Like he'll have one of those years, but won't be on my roster. I don't think I've ever had him on my roster, to be honest. So, might be keeping that trainer going. I'll let you talk about this individual first cuz I have some very very big thoughts on him cuz I pounded this drum for a bit. Spencer Torkelson, 7 home runs on 21 barrels at 33% home run to barrel rate. What do you see when you look at Torque because um yeah, I'll leave it at that. I'll let you have the floor for this one first. Interested to see what you say about Torque. The 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 big caveat with Torkelson on this list is Detroit is where barrels go to die. So this is a ballpark related thing with Spencer Torkelson, and he's not going to be changing ballparks 
anytime soon. Last year's version of this list, the number one guy in, in terms of lowest homer to barrel um, was uh, Riley Green. Almost said Hunter Green. Riley Green, and there were a couple other Detroit Tigers on there. Uh, ballpark does play a big factor into this. So I don't know if Spencer Torkelson, I don't think you can just take 21 barrels, divide by two, and add one or two homers and say that's where he should be at. Um, the thing you add on to that is like Torkelson has, in terms of batting average, almost 700 plate appearances of like a 270 BABIP. And that's not very great either. He's hitting 235 this season at 203 last year. Like the prospect pedigree is there, could turn this around at any point, but I'm pretty low on on torque for those reasons. And you're nodding, so maybe I gave the right answer. I'm not low on him at all. So uh, I was, you gave you're the, high on him. You gave the high, opposite answer. Here I've, we go. All I've right. added him a couple times this year for a couple bucks in OCs. Um, and you, you gave the big sample size. That's fine. I look at this as a kid that came up maybe too soon. Like he came up the same year he was drafted and he needed to get his feet wet. Um, he's getting more comfortable. I talked about it like on preview shows with you and others that they made a point and Miguel Cabrera took him under his wing. Like, Hey, you are the first baseman. This is your team. And I think he's starting to get comfortable. And this is a not a small, small sample, but it, it's big enough for me since May 1st. He's had 170 plate appearance, 70 plate appearances. Still not huge. I get it. But he's hitting 253 over that stretch with a 317 Babbitt, uh, 13% walk, 23.5% K. He has five of his seven home runs in that stretch. He's even stolen a bag, which is impressive. But what I really like to see is a 13% barrel rate and a 53% hard hit rate over that stretch. He's starting to get comfortable at the plate. And I agree with what you said about Detroit's ballpark. That's been doc- documented forever. Nick Castellanos is the first one that comes to mind all the time when it comes to that ballpark. That's as clear as day. But with a guy like him, so the 33% home run to, to barrel. Okay, so he doesn't go 22% higher to 55. Sure. What's to say 45 to 48%? So now we're talking he could have like 11 home runs right now or something. I don't know. I'm just off the top yeah, of my head. Sure. So, yep. so maybe now he turns into a 25 home run guy and he hits 250 to 260. That's got some legs. And so like looking at torque, I just think there's there's more there. He could be one of those dudes that's like a, um, you know, the Andrew Vaughn types that never maybe gets to the full pedigree we want, but it's a guy we like because the hit tool is still very, very good. So Torkelson's a guy I think that you can buy low on and you can actually get him low is the point I wanted to make there compared to some other guys on this list. So that's why I was talking about Torque. Easy to forget, age 23 season. He is yeah, he was the number one guys in at Arizona State and then like came yeah. straight up. Yep. So, yep. Yeah, that was all I want to say. I think there's more to like about the torque than we might lead on. Who else did you want to talk about here? I know we have a question on Trent Grisham. Um, we could leave that till the end, or we can bring it up now if you'd like. I guess we could bring it up now. Let me. Eric Samolski asked. I want to get it word for word real quick because it was very um, good here. How can Grisham hit the ball so hard and so often and not be good for fantasy? He has six homers with 23 barrels, 26% home run to barrel rate. Thoughts? Yeah, I think it's a this year thing. Like I'm looking back at Grisham, what what Grisham has done the previous few seasons. The homer to barrel rate, 83% in 2021, which is this mad high, 68% last year, a little bit closer to normal this year, 26%. Like Trent Grisham has pretty much the same number of barrels as he had last year already this season, 23 versus 25. Last year, Grisham had 17 homers. 
this season, Grisham has six. Now to Eric's question about why can't he be good in fantasy? Um, for me, it's two numbers. It is a 47% fly ball rate and a 29% strikeout rate. You cannot strike out that often and hit the ball in the air that often if you're not like a prodigious power bat, if you're not like a uh, a Pete Alonzo, a Matt Olson, that type of player. You can't hit the ball in the air that long. You're going to hit what Trent Grisham hits, which is like 200. The HQ expected batting average on Grisham's like 220. So maybe there's been like some bad Babbitt luck there, but you're basically looking at a guy who's going to hit 200. You almost want him, well, you do want him to run, but you almost think, I almost think of that like, COVID season when Trent Grisham had 10 homers, 10 steals and 250 plate appearances, he had 13 steals the following season, only four this season, um, four for seven. And so like, he's not running, he's not hitting for batting average. The power will, will improve. I'm pretty confident in that, but it's, um, it's, it's not enough for me. The thing with Grisham, like the defense is very good. The OBP is very good. So in OBP leagues, he's there. And I think the playing time is pretty safe. But I don't see him hitting over like 200, 220 without many bags. And if you get like 15, 20 homers with that, that's not that great of a player. Yeah, that's how he's always been, like a low average. kind of. He'll play every day because he's okay defensively. But yeah, there's a lot to not like. And by the way, I loved your tweet. When he quote tweeted, well, speak of the devil, he hits a home run on Thursday. But if you read the tweet carefully, well, a home yeah. run in 15 of 30 ballparks. No, it wasn't a home. It was not a home run. Oh, it was it a double. Oh, okay. So there's a, uh, there's a, I'm, I'm guessing a lot of people follow. It's called Wood It Dong. And basically, like, I feel like you came up with the name of the damn thing. <laughs> nope, but I'm it's basically I- like any borderline home run or not. I guess it's all automated. It says like in how many ballparks it would have been based on the exit velocity where it was hit and that sort of thing. And so it was funny right after Eric's question, Grisham came up on the wood at dong thing. And it was, it was a double that would have been a home run in 15 out of 30 parks. So like, that was just a funny kind of example of like, yeah, kind of one of those years where, where Grisham should have some more, some more pop. Perfect. All right, let's go to the opposite side of the spectrum here, the overachievers, the potential regression candidates that we don't want to talk about, but we are. And we'll start at the top here with Isak Paredes. Yeah. 11 homers, 7 barrels. That's 157% home run to barrel. And it's kind of funny because I don't – no, none of the guys are on the list here. I tweeted it out over the weekend. I was writing an article about, like, risers and fallers from the last week. And, like, Nolan Jones, Gary Sanchez – and there's one other dude. Each had two home runs in the week. Neither one of them were barreled. None of them were barreled. And you're sitting there going, how does that happen? And then I see this list. <laughs> and I'm like, 11 homers with seven barrels for Isak, who I think most people know by now, big fan over here. Uh, don't like seeing that, but I've always been a believer in his power. And um, I thought Detroit kind of hampered that power. It's hard not to listen to the argument that this could regress, Ryan. So give it to me. Yeah, it's just interesting. Torque has three times as many barrels as Isak Paredes has four fewer home runs on the season. The The crazy thing with Isak, and and I, I, there is something to this. I don't know if, if the Deadpool hitter himself, Rob DiPietro, is listening. Every single one of Isak Paredes' home runs are that, yeah. dead pulled. 
He's the like not DD even Gregorius the left center, the right side. He's a DD from the right side. Exactly. Like not even left center. It like it is crazy. I I probably should have pulled up his uh, home run spray chart before the show. We put it up here, but it is wild to see. And you can search this on Baseball Savant if you if you go look. His home runs are all extremely pulled. He knows that park. It's almost like if Isak Paredes was in Houston, <laughs> he'd have yeah. like twenty home runs by now. Um, and I do think there is something to that where Paredes just he, he knows that park and how to get it out of there without barreling. And uh, most of those home runs that he's hitting are not barrels, but they're all right down left field in Tampa. So we talk a lot about uh, ballpark. I brought it up with Torque as kind of a reason to be down. Um, Paredes, like, yes, I the, the power pace cannot stay this crazy. Like nobody, almost nobody over a full season has more home runs than barrels. It just doesn't happen. Uh, but I don't think it'll crash as hard as some people think. Yeah, Daniel Broderick asked us, so Paredes can be explained by his ability to pull everything, pretty much. That's the easy, and that's the, the lazy answer, but the correct answer probably. The, the deeper dive, though, is that the key word in that is um, ability. Is that is that a repeatable skill, or is that just something that Paredes has done 11 times this year and it's it's fluky i i have not run the numbers on the research on it but i'm very interested to see like how sticky a pulled fly ball is from year to year yeah that's a great question um let's go to the next one here francisco alvarez this is a fun one because he's starting to get pretty regular playing time um he's turning into the hitter many thought that we should expect he's got 12 barrels and 12 home runs that's 100% for you keeping track at home on the success rate there. And that's obviously not sustainable, but it, you never know. Maybe it is. So what are your thoughts on Francisco Alvarez, the rookie Mets catcher? Yeah, I mean, this is where I want to be a little careful. I mean, you, you, this was your main argument with, um, Torque. with Torque, right? Like, and, and Alvarez even more so, like adjusting to big league catching is, uh, you know, not very easy as well. So like, I don't want to, kind of crap on Alvarez like yes the home runs he's a he's a he's a little ahead of his skis but you look at the at the skills that Francisco Alvarez has put together so far um he's actually been kind of screwed in the batting average department so for whatever quote-unquote luck he might have had in home runs Francisco Alvarez is running a 237 Babbitt and he's hitting 236 with a pretty decent strikeout rate so like I'm not worried about francisco alvarez at all i think he could be an absolute star and we're kind of seeing that um i mean the hard contact he has an eight percent barrel rate with 24 percent strikeouts like that's that's pretty damn good for a catcher of alvarez's age and then you throw on the prospect pedigree on top of it like someone i'm yeah really not worried about yeah i think he's gonna be just fine even if it like cuts back he's still probably gonna hit 20 plus home runs and right. you'll, be, you'll right. be just fine with that um, let's have a therapy session for me real quick. Uh, Rowdy Telez is on this oh. list and it's, it's been brutal. I, I've been trying to keep it in to myself, him, Adamus. I mentioned earlier with Rich Hill, brewers are struggling. If you guys remember, I was team, let's draft all the brewers at one point in time. Um, Rowdy Telez, 12 home runs, 14 barrels. It's an 86% home run to barrel rate, but you dig deeper. He's hitting 231. Uh, the strikeout rates up to 25.3. He has a 259 Babbitt, which is better than last year, but second worst of his career. Um, you look at the barrel rates down to 9.3%, not rowdy style. 39% hard hit rate, not rowdy style. This hurts, and he's platooning now. So this isn't getting much better. As he should. This is probably yeah. dual dual therapy, man, because we were both big time 
Yeah, it's just tough. On Rowdy. And it's tough, too, because, like, I, I run into this every year where, like, someone I really like gets off to a hot start. I feel all validated, and, you know, I, may, mm-hmm. I made the right call. He's my man. And so I just leave him in and leave him in and leave him in. And I've been leaving Rowdy Telez in on, on a good number of my teams. You look at the last month, 212 batting average, 272 OBP for Rowdy with two home runs. And then you throw this homer to barrel, 12 homers, 14 barrels. Like Rowdy's been lucky to even get to 12. So like there's uh, some cause for concern. I'm not ready to cut in like 15 teamers. I don't know about 12s, like what he yeah, more 12s more than me. He's 100% in. Oh yeah, in twelve. So you're holding on to him, I guess. But um, it's you're, ben- you're benching him right now. That's the only thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like even this weekend. So like the Brewers get Rich Hill for at least one start. So now Rowdy probably plays two starts at best. It's and that's where you get started to get in trouble. It's like how often can you play someone who's playing a little more than half the time, strong side of a platoon, but with the lack of production that that Rowdy's had. Now, let's have a fun one here because we talked about two Blue Jays on the other side of the spectrum. Let's talk about one on this side, Dalton Varsho. 11 home runs on 14 barrels, a 79% home run to barrel rate. Vlad had a 31%, Chapman a 27%. Uh, Varsho's from the left side of the plate, and they talked about right center field got pulled in a bit. But um, who knows if that's really the takeaway here. Um, we look at Varsho, barrel rate 7.1, 37%, hard hit. Like X-Stats think he should be better, to be honest. It doesn't strike out a ton either. So what's your thoughts on Varsh? Like, I've never really panicked on him because I'm playing him at a catcher anyways, and he's crushing it in the catcher world. But um, when you look at this bloom board, though, it doesn't matter position. He's 11 homers on 14 barrels. Yes. And so, like, Varsho was way over his head last season in terms of the homer to barrel, 68%, 27 homers on 40 barrels. And he's kind of feeling the other side of that. To your point, though, like we could nitpick Dalton Varsho, but like at the end of the day, the dude has 11 homers, 10 steals. He's only hitting 230, but like as catcher, that's that is awesome. And he's going to run. He's not going to have the best OBP or OPS in real life. He's not as good as he is in fantasy because of catcher and because he runs. But Dalton Varsho, I think, is is just fine. I just I think you just keep your expectations in check that this is not. He wasn't a 27 home run hitter, in my opinion, last year. And if you keep that expectation to like low mid 20s, I think you'll be fine. And he'll he'll pair that with 20 steals. So like you're getting a 2020 catcher who arguably should be hitting better than 228. Uh, the K rate has been much improved this season from Varsho, and the Babbitt's super low. So you mix those two together, and I think there's even some batting average improvement coming so uh no not not worried really at all all right let's talk about a player we talked about in recent weeks on a bloom board because his production was kind of disappointing especially for his adp that's nolan arenado he's got 13 home runs on 15 barrels it's an 87 percent home run to barrel rate but he's one of those like i know we just talked about 283 average he's 293 last year he's probably gonna get close to his 30 home runs like usual his strikeout rate has gone up quite a bit compared to years past but his babips up as well compared to years past and then you look at his quality contact metrics they pretty much are in line with previous seasons so how do you look at this with Arenado? is it like maybe his production is what it is and the home runs decline do we think his batting average go- I, there's, there's a lot of ways to go i think with this situation with Arenado because everything else is pretty similar if not kind of better maybe 
and then you got this situation. The big thing for me with Arenado is April was so bad, <laughs> like yeah. so bad in terms of results and skills. You, if you were to pull up like a rolling average of his power, of his barrels, hard hit, whatever, um, Nolan Arenado has been much better, much better in May, and that has carried into June. So, like, I think the terrible, whatever was happening with Nolan Arenado in April, maybe he was playing hurt. I don't, I don't know. I think that's weighing down um, that that barrel number right now. I think Nolan Arenado is going to be just fine, and he's shown us that in May and June. So like, I just think this is a case of a really bad April weighing things down. And like, yes, you could kind of nitpick and say, well, you're picking and choosing what you want to, what you want to take seriously and not, but I don't think so. Like Arenado, the track record, I, he, he's, he's fine. He'll be fine. Yeah. I think we'll be just fine there as well. Uh, anybody else you want to hit on here or would you like to get to some listener questions? Um, not really. I know he's kind of hurt or maybe extremely hurt, but playing Max Muncy was an interesting one because Max yeah. Muncy, like he has to hit home runs to be yeah. valuable for fantasy because the batting average is so bad. Max Muncy has 23 barrels, which is a lot. Um, 18 home runs on those 23 barrels. If we're taking that down to league average, we're saying Max Muncy should only have like 12 home runs. And then you throw the batting average risk that Muncy provides and then you throw the I'm playing through a grade two hamstring thing as well. Yeah, it blows my mind. Red flags. Yeah, Red flags. I, I don't understand that one at all. It's a very interesting situation to say the least. Yeah. All right. So he's, he's worth a shout. Yeah, for sure. Because yeah, he's also a guy last year that had the horrible start to the season, kind of finished strong and picked it right up yep. where he left off. Uh, listener questions. You guys came through this week. We appreciate it. Um, John Wilder asks, what do you do with players that aren't contributing in stolen bases and homers? This feels like a Tim Anderson tweet, but are decent and average and runs. No, never mind. There's an average. Yeah. Thing, right? <laughs> there you goes keep, the Tim. Yeah. You keep plugging these guys in, but then you look at the standings and you have fallen behind in the toughest categories to catch up in. A player like Alex Verdugo comes to mind. This is okay. The easy way to be like, well, it depends on your roster construction, but if he's falling behind, then that explains his roster construction. Um, yeah, I, it dep- I guess size of your league, if it's 12 team or less, I've learned to just start booting dudes. And like, I've dropped Jake Fraley twice already this year. I picked him back up at times. Like Lars Newbar was on the IO. He got like certain dudes that fit those kind of molds. They're interchangeable. Like go stream Jackson Winsky while he's hot, then go drop him and go stream someone else. That, that'd be my two cents. Yeah. Uh, the only thing I'd add, like at this point, I still think it's too early to, to take standings, like to really act on standings and categories as your primary decision-making uh, tool. Because if you start doing that, if you start ditching your counting stack guys and try to go for homers and bags only like your Trent Grisham type or somebody, you're going to fall behind and count. Like it's kind of a whack-a-mole thing at this point. So I think at this point, at least the way that I play it is basically just, I, I keep playing my best players, the guys we're playing all the time, kind of no matter the categories. At this point, it's a tiebreaker for me on on Fab. Like, if I'm between two guys, then yes, and they're pretty close, I'll go with the, the homer to steal guy if you need it. But I think there's a caution there just to not – don't overreact too early, and I think it is too early on where you're at in the standings, unless it's, like, totally extreme. Um, I, I, I would I – would, hedge a little bit 
more to where you need in terms of like free agent pickups, but I wouldn't go overboard yet. I think once you start to get to like August, I think that's when you really start, then you be aggressive in categories and chase that. I just think a lot can change um, over these next three and a half months. All righty. Boom zoom. He asks in a super league, 12 leagues, 12 teams. Interesting. Payouts to the top three in each league and top 10 overall. This must be the suit. It's like an overall. Yeah. It's like a 12 league main event OC or something. In each and top 10 overall, as well as 1.25 X entry fee for each individual cat winner. So individual categories get paid out too. Interesting. What are the pros and cons of going for cat leader titles currently in top three for runs and stolen bases, which correlate? Thank you. I think that's kind of a cool concept extra yeah i get maybe you don't finish top three but you win a couple categories to get some money back it's uh keeps you keeps you grinding to keep make staying active to try to win some money yeah um Um, what to do well i like to try to win the whole thing but i guess if you're out of it then start pounding categories i think that's what i would do but i think that's what everyone would do like if you're in if it's a 12 team league and you're like in ninth 10th 11th and you know even in your own league forget the overall in your own league you don't have a shot i would think most people that's actually pretty fast i, I would think most people would just take their best category best two categories one on hitter one and just leverage the hell out of that yeah but then what does that do to your leagues like if if two yeah. other people in your league do that that's that's kind of cool um that's a, a hell of a conundrum <laughs> i'll be honest because people will just dump categories and so that's going to affect your league for sure but yeah that's probably not the answer you were looking for but uh if you're on the bottom of the standings punt and get your categories if you have a chance to win try to win that i mean that's what i would do if i was if i was low at this point and i think now would probably be the time like if you're low low um like in double digits i just pound a category try and get your money back yeah that's what i do as well Rand Simon asks, are you okay dropping Moncada in 15-team leagues? I think we said yes. Yeah, easy. Easy drop. How about CJ Crone? I would, because he's still not even moving yet. <laughs> yeah, it's not good, man. Like, no. he literally, he's, he can't, like, walk. Uh, probably shouldn't yeah. laugh, but it's it's bad. Um, I think yeah. Crone is a pretty easy drop i think i still have him on a 15 team league and i think that will change yeah and with nolan jones hitting it's gonna make it even easier to be like yeah you can hang out back at home cj a little bit longer um is uh 94 rostered in main events and 15 teamers so starting to get that drop and that's going to go down because there's just no we could we could we could recap that next week and it'd be interesting to see where that number is at next week yeah because uh, Rand says my main event bench already has Julio Urias and Mullins on the IL. Oh. Yeah, you drop yeah, Moncada and then you got immediately. And yes. Crone. Yeah, I said Moncada and Crone gone. Urias should knock on wood be back next week. He had a good bullpen. Um, he might throw one more. Their, their their goal is to get him back next week. We'll see. Any word on Mullins? Uh, no, I, I haven't doing, heard much. Just doing his normal thing. It's going to be a couple more weeks at least. No, there's really been no updates, which to me is an okay thing for me. There's no setbacks. Let's put it that way. I'm, I'm thinking grain of salt positivity here because I, I need setback. And trust me, if something would have happened, Mike Curlin would have let me know. You would know about it. Yeah, Mike Curlin would have let me know by now. So uh, no news is good news on this front. 
Uh, Little Book of Calm asks, Miguel Vargas has a massive gap between his production and his projection. If we prorate both season to date and rest of season bad X projections out to 600 plated, I love Little Book's questions. Like, these are great. Yep. Um, the projection would have two or the standard projection would be 225 15 homers seven stolen bases 77 runs 72 rbis the bad x rest of season would be 278 22 homers nine stolen bases 87 runs and 82 rbis so much better do you hew more closely to his standard or his projection rest of season or see our season to date or his projection rest of season so that bad X projection sounds sounds optimistic, which is pretty yeah. not like Derek. Not exactly. <laughs> uh, Twenty two home runs for Miguel Vargas. The rest of the way, I wonder if, if that. Yeah, I guess it's rest of the season. Um, that seems high to me. Thing I'll say though, Miguel Vargas. I actually want to look up since this is the Homer to Barrel show. What his uh, Homer to Barrel is like? The power has been decent. Yeah, he's right in line. Twelve barrels, six homers. Um, Power's been decent. He's not striking out. The big thing with Miguel Vargas is like, I think he can write off a truthfully really bad April uh, because he basically was hurt. And so I I think you can kind of look at May and June where he's been, he's been better um, hitting for a lot more power um, strikeout rate kind of staying the same. And I think you can kind of extrapolate May and June. The rest of the season, if, if that's probably what I would do for my rest of the season projection for Miguel Vargas, knowing that tying this back to our Torkelson talk, this is a age 23 guy who was a top five prospect, according to James Anderson earlier this season. And so like this could pop off at any time. So, um, yeah, I'd extrapolate May and June, and that's probably what I would, uh, baseline for the rest of the year but just know that could uh that could take off yep that's not not a bad one i'll give you that uh brent chester says ouchie rowdy is on the wrong side he's been called yes brent yes he is the uh yes, we'll have a meeting at fpez uh, and then andy splinter says thoughts on cubs newly off hitter mike talkman you gave your thoughts on him at the beginning so yeah we're good there that'll wrap us up Another episode in the books, my friend. Uh, final thoughts as we are approaching, like the uh, getting closer to fifty percent through the season. Yeah, we're like a month away from the All Star break, uh, so we're we're getting there. Mm-hmm. We are getting there. I, I I I'm glad my my comeback has has started now. So I, I I've got plenty of time to smoke you by the end of the thing and get that free golf. I've said the whole time you're going to win. I've said that the whole time. I'm, I'm not I'm not naive to the situation. So. You'll bring the fastball here soon enough, and I'll get smoked. So I'm we'll ready. See. We'll see. It's okay. I'll win. I'll win my beer bet from last week. Oh, we'll we ready. did. Yeah. So I did. We did post a beer bet to tie this back from last week. <laughs> what do we have from the poll? It was uh, Taylor Ward versus Where's Michael Harris. Michael Harris, dude. Michael Harris on fire. Come on, He's a, you guys yeah, are welcome. I mean, you guys are welcome. Michael Harris this week, yeah. probably over. Uh, no, the results of the poll were 67% in agreement with me. Harris over Ward rest of season, 32% for Ward. We'll see. We, we, it just tells you how much more popular Ryan Bloomfield is than me. So you got that. Yeah, I think, I think, ben, I think it was Ben, <laughs> ben who replied and yeah. said, should have kept it anonymous. <laughs> just hey, if they listen to the show, they know, I know, who, they I know. know who picked who. 
Yep, it's all good. All good. It'll be fun. It's a fun one. And I have a feeling we'll have some more debates throughout the season. Maybe we'll have more bets on. Maybe we'll maybe we'll put we'll uh, do some torque. Bar- maybe we'll do our barbecue lunch on the line. We'll have some fun there. Cause uh yeah, there, there's a lot of things we can uh, do, debate for F Pass. It'll be a fun trip. But um we'll wrap it up there. Maybe some torque. We'll think of something for torque because I am a believer in torque. You could do it now if you want, or you can save it for later. I'll think on it. Got it. Got to think of the numbers. All right. You think about it, crunch them. I'll take it and we'll move on from there. But uh, everybody can find Ryan on Twitter at Ryan BHQ. Remember, if you want to golf at F Paz, hit him up or hit me up on the Twitter, the podcast at Bubba Bloom Pod. I am at BD Intric. Until next time, this is Bubba in the Bloom, episode 61. Catch you guys later. way to win up to 25 times your money this football season test your skills on prize picks the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports just select two or more players pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of statistics and place your entry it's as easy as that if you have the skills you can turn ten dollars into 250 dollars with just a few taps easy gameplay quick withdrawals and an enormous selection of players and stat options are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app ready to test your skills join the prize picks community of more than 7 million football fans who have already signed up right now prize picks will match your first deposit up to 100 just visit prizepicks.com get 100 and use code GET100. That's code GET100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy.